Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, would you turn to Romans chapter 5? We are in the second week of a series that we're calling Dead or Alive, looking at Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6. If you're a guest this morning, thank you so much for being here. My name is Zach. I have the great honor and the great privilege of being the senior pastor here at West Hill. And if I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you at some point this morning. If you're online for the first time, let us know who you are in the comment thread below. We'd love to get to know you as well. But we're in the second week of this series called Dead or Alive. And last week we we covered a, a fairly large section of the first part of this chapter. And we learned that when we are in Christ, when we are saved we can have peace, that we can have peace in the battle and in the journey of life. And, and we are, as we're going to learn even more in just a moment, as sinners, we are born into this world with a lack of peace. But Jesus came to bring us hope and to bring us peace. We also saw that we have a glorious hope as Christians. We just sang about it. Death was arrested and my life has now began. We also saw last week that we will, during this lifetime, we will have strength to suffer because of Jesus and because of what Jesus has done in us, because we have his spirit and his spirit is with us forever and his spirit will teach us everything that we need to know. And this hope that he brings is all the hope that we'll ever need. And we we are never going to be without him and there is freedom in him. And ultimately, we learned that we have God's love. That the real reason Jesus came to this earth was much better than anyone could have ever expected. And we studied and we talked about the disciples and how they walked with Jesus. And they thought he had come to do something completely different. But he came to do something so much better. So if you're there in Romans chapter 5, we read this responsively just a few moments ago, but we're going to read it again together and and study this passage in just a few moments. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and we are thankful for the person of Jesus Christ. We are reminded this morning of how good he is to us. That he came to this earth and he lived the life that we couldn't live and he died the death that we deserved and he gave up that life freely to pay the penalty for our sin and he offers us life. And we sing and we declare the goodness of God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and that he defeated it all by rising victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And it's in his name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, there are many situations in life where the decisions of another person have affected you. I have been on the other side of somebody else's decisions, and we all have been there. And many times, it's not a positive Many times, the decisions of others can affect us negatively. I think of Joshua chapter 7 and the story of Achan. Many of you know that story so well. The the nation of Israel was supposed to go conquer the, the city of Jericho, and they were to destroy everything but Rahab. But Achan takes a few things on his way out. And as a result of that disobedience to what God had commanded them not to do, there were consequences that affected the nation of Israel and it affected his his family specifically because they all would die. But this Romans 5 situation that we find ourselves looking at, studying, and reading this morning, it's the only example in the history of mankind where two persons' decisions affected all of humanity. When it comes to Adam's decision to sin, and we're going to talk more about that in just a moment, and that sin that has such a powerful trickle-down effect that it introduced sin into the human race, that doesn't feel good to us. It doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel just. We don't have to like the the, the, the fact that Adam's sin does affect us and our nature But I don't think anyone would deny that it's true. That we are sinners and something is messed up inside of us. And whether or not we think it's fair that Adam's sins affects our nature, we can accept that we are guilty of our own actions. Because we have all sinned. Every single one of us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're visiting. Maybe you've never been in church. Maybe this is your first time in church in a really long time. And you have this idea that Christians believe that we have not sinned. And maybe we act like that. But we are sinners. We are messed up people. We have all sinned. And every person who's had the choice to make their own cognizant decisions is held responsible for those decisions. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. 
Yet death reigned from Adam all the way to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Sin came to us. Sin came to us. We can't get around it. And there's a little bit of history that I want to cover here because that is a bold statement. And maybe you don't fully understand or grasp what it means that sin has come to us and that we have all sinned. And so a little backstory, I've mentioned the name Adam already, but Adam and Eve were in the garden. And the reason why we have this issue of sin is because they disobeyed God's command. And Paul will tell us earlier in Romans in chapter 3 that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Genesis 3, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when they did, they disobeyed against God's command not to, which is rebellion against him, which is sin. And they immediately became aware that something was different. They hadn't felt that before. Adam and Eve didn't know what it felt like to feel guilty for something or to feel, feel shame or the emotion of, of guilt. But all of a sudden now, they feel it. And the Bible tells us that they sew fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. They didn't even know they were naked because there was no such thing as shame. There was no such thing as feeling bad about those things. And so they hide from God in the garden as if that's possible. And they were hiding from this holy God, this God who loved them, who had created them in his image to be in a relationship with him. They walked and they walked together in the garden every single day. They had this unhindered fellowship with God the Father. Could you imagine a relationship so perfect on this earth that there was nothing standing between you and that person? There were no secrets. There, were no, there was no deceit. You didn't mistreat each other. It was a perfect relationship. That's what Satan does. He deceives. And he gets us to buy into the lie that there's something better out there for us. And so Adam and Eve hide from God. And honestly, that's what men and women have been doing ever since that day. So God, he confronts Adam and Eve, and he confronts them face to face, and he calls them out. And as a result of their sin, there were immediate and there were future consequences that were going to come along with this issue of sin. And so many of you know the story. So many of you know that the immediate consequences were they were now banished from this beautiful garden of perfection. Eve would now have a very difficult process called childbirth, and moms could say amen. Adam's work would now turn from this thing that he absolutely loved and enjoyed to something that would now be a burden. And the future consequences, they're worse. Because Adam and Eve were now going to experience this, this process of physical death. God had promised them in Genesis 2 that the day that they would sin by eating of this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would surely die. Spiritually, Adam and Eve died the day that they rebelled and sinned against God in the garden. 
And their souls became immediately under, they became polluted and under the weight of sin and selfishness and heartbreak. And as a result, all of their offspring, and that includes you and that includes me, were born with a sinful nature. Romans 5 verse 12 just told us this. And the beauty or the penalty of our own sin is death and eternal separation from God. So God confronts Adam and Eve and they blame each other and they blame the serpent. And we're still blaming people for our own actions. You see, this began as this beautiful thing and it unravels with this single choice to disobey God and listen to Satan instead. And so every famine... Every atrocity that you can read about in the history books, every war, every, every abusive situation, every heartbreak, every tragedy can be traced back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve chose to turn their backs on God for what they thought was a better option. We are all sinners given to us by Adam. It is our nature. You will choose to sin. There is no one on this planet other than Jesus Christ who will live a sinless life. We will choose it. We cannot do otherwise. It is our human nature. You see, sin explains a lot of things, doesn't it? Sin explains the family problems that you may have. Sin explains the problems that you have at work. Sin explains the disruption that you feel in your marriage and in your relationships with your friends and your children and your neighbors and your coworkers. It explains parenting issues. It explains a lot of problems in this world. And it points us to our only hope, really, and that is the gospel. Because sin leads to condemnation. Verse 18 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. And then verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. It's not that God wanted people to sin more. But the law of the Old Testament, if you read about in the first five books of the Bible, they actually point out more sin. That if you want to know if you've sinned, just read the Old Testament. Read about the law, and it will help you identify when you sinned against God. You see, belief in Jesus, it brings deliverance from that condemnation. In John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it says, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. That describes you and me. We don't like the negative affecting us But we sure do get excited when the positive affects us. And that's the good news. Because we can all be rescued today. 
Verse 15 says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if... Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We see this again in 1 John chapter 2, where it says that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And not only for ours only, but for the entire world. A gift was given to the world. And this gift is the gift of free grace. D.L. Moody said, grace means undeserved kindness. It is the gift of God to man the moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. Grace is greater than your sin. When's the last time someone told you that? It wasn't the person who's mad at you. And God has every right to be angry and mad at our sin, but he is a gift giver. And it is abounding more than sin. Verse 18 reminds us that this one act of righteousness, it can lead to salvation in life for all men. It says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. That is the phrase pos anthropos. It means all men in both situations. That all men have sinned and all men can respond to the truth of God's saving grace. First Timothy 2 reminds us of that. You see, Adam brought physical and spiritual an eternal death to the world. Our bodies are aging. They're falling apart. I bend over and my knees crack. My body's falling apart. Every day, things don't work like they used to. That's a visible picture of the fall of mankind. Spiritually, we're born separated from God and His presence And death and separation in a place called hell is our promised future. But Jesus, he brings life to all three of those things. He brings life to our bodies. Our bodies will be restored and remade. Spiritually, we are brought back to life, from death to life. And we have heaven as a promised future. You see, one life brought death. And one death brought life. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, some of your Bibles may actually, if you have a study Bible, you may have inside of your study Bible a comparison chart with Romans chapter 5 about what we have in Adam and what we have in Christ. Here's what my Bible says. Here's what my study Bible has it. Here's what we have in Adam. It's going to be on the screen. We have ruin, sin, death, separation from God, disobedience, judgment, and law. 
And what we have as God's children is rescue, righteousness, eternal life, relationship with God, obedience, deliverance, and grace. Adam sinned, but Jesus didn't. Death is present because of Adam. Sin is present because of Adam. Jesus is bringing life abundantly. Sin ushers in this problem of condemnation, but Jesus puts us in a position of righteousness. Sin causes disobedience, but a life surrendered to Jesus and his word brings obedience. You see, in the Garden of Eden, Adam, he decided to turn the other way But we see in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus in the garden, he turns to the Father and calls out to him. Shame was Adam's experience with nakedness, but Jesus took all of that shame and bore it in his nakedness. Hardship and trauma and drama and thistles and thorns and darkness, they came with Adam. But Jesus had those thorns pressed onto his head. Adam gave up this perfect relationship with God, and Jesus gave up his life to have a relationship with us. Two trees are seen in the Bible. Adam rebelled at one, bringing us sin, and Jesus hung on the other one. And he died for the sinner. And so here's what we know, that we have abounding grace through Christ. Verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace, undeserved favor. We actually reign over death because of the grace of God that produces life and righteousness. And as we talked about last week, we have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's working in our hearts. We have to read the word more. We have to delight in it as Psalm 1 reminds us. We have the Holy Spirit that will convict us when we sin. John 16 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Grace will always be greater than sin. It is undeserved and it is a gift. You see, one life brought death and one death brought life. Paul makes it clear that we are sinners. And we will always be sinners. But there's two groups of sinners. There's the unforgiven and there's the forgiven. And just like Adam brought this sin on all of us, we are in ruin until Jesus steps into the pages of our story and brings rescue to us. He has rescued us. And if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you have 
confessed your sin and you have called on Jesus to save you, you have been rescued and you have been given new life. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you didn't know that you are a sinner. Maybe you didn't know that defines what's wrong wrong with you. Maybe you didn't know that there is a penalty for sin, and you didn't know that it was death and separation from God. You didn't know. Maybe that's why you're so afraid to pass from this life into the next, because you have zero hope. Maybe that's you. Maybe no one has ever taken the time to tell you that Jesus, who we have been singing about all morning, rose from the dead. That he came and he lived the life that you could never live. A perfect life. And he paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for the sins of the world. And he says that whoever would believe in my name, whoever would repent which means to turn from or confess our sin and believe the gospel can have life. And in John 10, it says they can have it abundantly. Have you been rescued? And only you can answer that question. The person who brought you can't answer it for you. The person who, uh, who brought you to church when you were a child, they can't save you. You have to humble yourself And call on the name of Jesus to save you. Let me remind you, if nobody ever has, you can never be good enough to get to heaven. If you're here and you're trying to live a good life so that you'll someday maybe get to go to heaven, you won't get there. You can only get there through the work, the completed work of Jesus Christ. And so have you called on him to save you? And if you haven't, do it right now. Just call on him to save you right now. You can just declare right there in your seat, Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me. And he'll save you. He saved me. He saved most of the people that are in this room that I know. And we are different because of it. One life brought death, but one death brought life. That's what we celebrate, that's what we remember, and that's what we live for. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, you know every person that is sitting in this room this morning. You know the need of every heart. And you care and you love us. So God, we're so thankful for your son Jesus who came and lived that life that we couldn't live. He paid the the debt that we could never have paid. And he offers us life. 
and hope and eternity. So God, right now I pray for those people in the room this morning. Maybe they don't have that personal relationship with you. They have never called on you. They they do not know you as their Savior. God, I pray that they have done that already this morning. But maybe they haven't. God, I pray that you would not leave them alone until they make a decision to follow you and believe in your son, Jesus, for salvation. God, for those of us who are following you, Lord, help us to never forget what you've done for us. Help us to never stop celebrating your grace and your mercy in our lives. You have given us a reason to live beyond this world. And our home is not in this world. Somewhere far greater and far better. Lord, thank you for saving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.